Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language, and I will not go to my room. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast, the Superman edition. My name is Mike Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Tom Stewart is here. He's from Lonesome Whistle Productions. Tom, today we're talking about Superman 4, the quest for peace. How do you feel about that? Betrayed! (laughs) Betrayed! (laughs) This is a 1987 film by Sidney J. Fury. Uh, the film that ended the franchise, essentially. It was the 72nd highest grossing movie <laughs> of that year. Um, here are some movies that beat it out. Jaws 4. We'll be talking about that soon. Over the... <laughs> <laughs> A lot of sequels, actually. Police Academy 4 as well. A lot of 4s this year. Over the top... It didn't even win... It didn't even win the 4s. No, yeah, couldn't. Uh, over the top, Ernest goes to camp. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's a solid list of pretty shitty movies that this movie could not yeah. beat out. Um, wow. So we both have this as the last movie uh, ranked in our particular ranking sequels. Uh, it's the fourth one in the series, the worst one for both of us. We both declare yes. it as a bad movie. Um, for mm-hmm. me, this movie is an unmitigated disaster and there's just so much of it that's so bad uh i can't wait to talk about it frankly i'd call it a mitigated disaster (laughs) of course you would a a disaster with mitigating circumstances your ability to love what's unlovable (laughs) is one of the things i love about you Hey, you know, i mean, I'm talking from the perspective of someone who owned these movies on VHS, uh, and you know, I think, I think it's now we can stream movies, we can get instant access to movies. When you have a whole tape dedicated to something, it holds a special place in your heart. Yeah, it's it. You you know, you 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 wanna you wanna give it a chance, and you wanna forgive um, what you can. But there's, it's harder to forgive this one than uh, than Superman. I mean, right from the beginning, the yeah. I know, uh, you know, right from the credits for me. I, I see these credits and I just think, oh, those that's poor man Superman credits. Yeah, the cre- credits are garbage. I, 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 I mean, it's like sub-fan film uh, graphics that they're using here. It's a really... And, and the trajectory... We, we go back to this after, you know, experimenting with a, a slapstick comedy right. title sequence in the previous film... Uh, we go back to the the original, you know, uh, words flying around the world. But even if but you look strangely, at the trajectory, yeah. <laughs> if you look at the trajectory of those titles, it's like it makes no sense. Where are they coming from? Where are they yeah, going? Not at all. What pro- what programming did you put in to make these words do this? <laughs> it's 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 a really it's a really bad sign of. Um, I mean, they. Uh, to just you know go behind the curtain a little bit they ran out of money as they were making this right. movie so this is really something you know and I it's clearly evident <laughs> but, but this it is, is something on I'd the rather screen than a film... that they had these problems 
Unfortunately, they didn't film in chronological order. If so, you would have had an extraordinary, you know, credit sequence, and then it would gradually get worse. Yeah, worse. at a As certain is, point, you just—it's just very inconsistent. Be leaning, if if but, they shot in order, it's you know, I, I imagine people in the theater would just be leaning over, going, "What happened to this movie?" You know? Is the is the you'd be like, "Is the focus okay? Yeah. Is the is the is the hey projectionist?" Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a really, really bad start. And no cold open. Yeah, the first, first in the series without, without a cold, cold open. open. Uh, They're just it's, dropping it's, balls all over the place. They really are. And, in terms you know, of what, what th- works for a Superman movie. Right. Also, a, a big, a big kind of red flag, um, that's, you know, put up early in this credit sequence is, uh, story by christopher reeve yeah he demanded it demanded that and a lot of money in order to come back he wanted some more creative control and yeah uh, the only word that comes to mind is oops (laughs) i mean that's i i wonder whether that as a christopher reeve fan absolutely you know i i just you know i wonder how many times we'll see you know that kind of vanity project uh, takeover of a sequel. I think we're going to see it quite a lot. I'm, I I can think of one right now <laughs> that is um, that there's burning in my brain. Um, we we may never get there, so I'm going to say it. Buster Rhymes in Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. R- Halloween. Um, what's the one? The the reality show one. I, don't I think it's the just called it. The Curse of Michael Myers. But. No, no, that's a much earlier one. Anyway, we'll get there, we'll get there. Buster Rhymes in one of the Halloween yeah. films basically makes it all about him and, and and destroys the movie. And I don't think he I don't I don't think he it quite gets there and, and you know, thank thank heaven thank Zod he's on screen <laughs> that it's him playing Superman right. at least. But it's a very bad sign. I, I I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck, you know. So I feel that spidey sense right. of the, something. The crux of the story is um it's very strange. Uh, you know, basically, Lex Luthor is back. Um, he escapes from prison yet again, yet with the help of yes. the poor man's Otis in Lenny, as played by John Cryer. His, his nephew, his nephew Lenny, Lenny. Yeah, who, who, of course, we've heard about before. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's always He's talking about He's constantly talking Lenny. about his nephew that he wants to bring into his schemes <laughs> in the first couple movies. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait to get rid of Otis so I can uh, so I can do crimes. With well, Lenny. and I don't even know why Otis isn't back. Like I would love the idea of Gene Hackman saying, "Yeah, sure, I'll come back." And they go to Ned Beatty, and he goes, "No." <laughs> he just says, "No, I'm not coming back." Thank you. Well, good, good on you know, good on Ned Beatty. It's a, but, it's a, a smart right. Decision. Essentially, uh, you know, Lex Luthor is loose again. Um, he starts talking yes. about things like Superman's hair and uh, and combining his hair <laughs> with some sort of proprietary <laughs> proprietary gel that he's made in order to launch it into the sun and create a nuclear man. Yeah. Meanwhile, Superman is... is vowing to get rid of all the nuclear weapons, which strangely yes. happens in a space of about five minutes. The movie's called The Quest for yeah. Peace, and he gets rid of the problem in like, you know, five minutes in, in the middle of this movie. One of its many, yeah, many sol- problems. He... Yeah, he solves world peace in the first act of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, is, um, which is an interesting choice. But again, uh, as we've wise. talked about before, Superman, bit of a dick, spaces his garbage dump. 
He's just launching he these, like, every nuclear missile on the planet into the sun, which I would think yeah. would have some sort of effect, but... Oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He's thinking about here and now, you know? <laughs> he's like... He's like, you know, he's he's the uh, the sort of climate change denier, um, you know, of space. There you go. <laughs> he's 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 you know he's he's, a, the original. he's like ah, he's the original I'll just think denier. about. He's like none of this is gonna you know he didn't even learn from the time that sending a nuclear weapon into space released three of his greatest enemies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he learns no lessons. This man. No, he he learns absolutely no lessons. Um, but uh, this is uh, this is a movie where, where you know I'm sure no one has even seen the previous movies. Who's making this. that's true. So in this it, movie, it we have like the return of Lois Lane, the mm -hmm. not commented on at all banishment of Lana from Smallville. Right. <laughs> she's she's somewhere in the the, the sort of like the sec. She's, I don't know, she's... Lana uh, Lang's just gone, man. And then we introduce... She ends up as a... We introduce yeah. a new love interest, at least for Clark. <laughs> Superman yeah. still seems to be very interested in Lois Lane, but Clark is right. uh, digging Mariel Hemingway as Lacey Warfield. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So this movie is clearly going in different directions. Uh, there's not really a lot yeah, of continuity I mean, that... going on. No, there's zero, there's zero continuity. Um, I think, and I think it's fair to say that since you know Superman one and two do talk to each other quite a lot, three uh, from three onwards, that there's no sense of it's like a reset clock every time, every time. right? Um, which is you know is is sad in some ways because I think clearly at the end of every movie you get a sense that oh these people's stories are going to go on. And of course they and they, they don't, don't. Uh, and they they don't in any way. I mean, you 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 know, um, everyone comes back once again. The saving grace of the movie is that that you know no one is no one is particularly missing, at least from the original cast, right. which is you have had pretty extraordinary you have given given how low you... given how low quality a sequel this is that they're all right. back. You think you think at least one of them would have jumped ship by now. Well, I mean, yeah, and Gene Hackman did jump ship and then came back. Yeah. And Presumably now, you know, he, he needed he, a pool or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it, clearly the conditions in his contract were that he didn't have to look anyone in the eye. <laughs> ever, <spoke>. ever. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, I can live that with that. That is a professional actor. To... Yeah. Like as good uh, as an actor can be phoning it in. It's think, a marvel yeah. to watch. Um. But uh, yeah, that they it's this kind of strange. I, Gene Gene Hackman's great. I mean, he is somewhat phoning it in, but he's still perfectly good. The character of Lex Luthor, they've really they don't know what they want to do with him anymore. I don't think they even quite know. At one point, I'm like, do they think he's like a Highlander? <laughs> right. He's like, yeah, he's, he's like dating prostitutes dressed as Marie Antoinette. Uh, at one point, he dresses up like Run DMC. And then at the end of the movie, like uh, Dick Dastardly from the, <laughs> it's just, uh, they they don't quite know what kind of a villain they want him it's to like be. It's like they want him to go full Snidely Whiplash, you know, you get the twisting of the yeah. mustache. Exactly, exactly. Um, so it's a very confused, it's a very confused movie, and uh, there's no character consistency. Well, here's what I want to talk about right now. 
you know, when we talked in our last episode about Superman 3, we talked about an abundance of flaws in Superman 3. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Um, we just sort of have no problem with. For some reason, it yeah. still works. And there is mm-hmm. so much shit in this movie that makes you yeah. out loud say, what the hell is that? Why is yeah. that there? So mm-hmm. what is it about this movie that's, you know, just makes you so unforgiving? Because I know I was as I was watching it. I was like, yeah. this is, why am I seeing this on the screen right now? Well, I'm a little forgiving, but I, I am going to be, I am more damning of this one. And I think it's because, you know, I, I'm just not on board with the project of this movie. It, it's, it, it tries to be political. It tries to carry on the political vein of the third movie and to some extent the second movie. Um, but it, it does so in a way that's like, you know, doesn't rise above the level of an after It's Yeah, special. it's certainly not focused, you know. Um, so Superman visits feel, it, the it, UN, but instead of yeah. getting maybe what we want, what, instead we're watching UN Protocol. Where, you know, he needs a sponsor before he can speak. And, of course, everybody in the world raises their hand as a sponsor. That kind of, you know, thing. We we get a scene where, uh, which kind of just uh, doesn't contain any of the characters from the movie. We we go into a classroom where they're watching uh, the president talk about the nuclear crisis on TV. And then the teacher starts asking children questions. And it's this classroom yeah. full of like fu- future Fox News pundits <laughs> right. going, well, that'll do a lot of good That's talking to politicians. And, uh, and then it's so, yeah, it, it feels like. Um, well, I just love this. Idea. It feels like propaganda. It feels like propaganda. Yeah, it does a little bit. And I just, I, I, you know, it's funny that I love this idea that the whole movie is about the quest for peace. And Superman goes to the UN and basically just announces he's getting rid of all nuclear weapons to thunderous applause. You yeah. can't possibly tell me that there's not anybody in the world that would go, hey, wait a second. I want my nuclear weapons or I at least uh, want nuclear d- power, you know? <laughs> I mean, apparently it's just Lex Luthor, Jim Broadbent. And the, yeah, the cameo. Cam- they're, they're, the, they're the only people You're who are always seeing a Brit that's going to, you know, <laughs> at some point be uh, in our collective consciousness in a far bigger way or win Academy Awards in, in an early Superman movie. Yeah, so so I, I just, uh, I'm, not on, um, I'm not on board with, uh, with kind of what this movie's trying to do. And so everything counts against it because of that. Agreed. So, uh, actually, we're going to stop it right there. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and then we'll get back into Superman 4 and some particularly horrible nonsense. We'll see you in a minute. Are you a beer novice? Are you a beer snob? Are you something in between? Wherever you lie on the beer spectrum, you can probably relate to Stephen J. Weiss and Dan Aker of the Vegas Beer Guys. The Vegas Beer Guys are a live show. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. Check them out as they try new beers and learn about beers. Steve, being a bit of a beer novice, learns right at the feet of a beer guru like Dan Aker. They try beers and they'll tell you about beers. They'll tell you where to steer clear from and where you should be going. They're just a great time. You're going to have a great time watching them. Go ahead and check out the Vegas Beer Guys. And we're back. We're talking about Superman 4, 
here with Tom Stewart. I'm Mike Schantz of the uh, How Dare You Awards. Tom's with Lonesome Whistle Productions. Tom, mm. we're in the part of the story of Quest for <laughs> Peace. We've talked about <laughs> Superman's decision to rid the country of nuclear material. Yes. And then he just starts collecting missiles. Apparently, I couldn't tell. It's not really easy to tell within the scope of the direction of Sidney J. Fury <laughs> whether or not he's asked everyone to start <laughs> launching their missiles or whether or not they're just indiscriminately trying to destroy everything. Yes. But uh, they start launching missiles and he starts collecting them and putting them in a giant net in outer space. Yeah, what's that net made of? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, it's... it's. Uh... It's interesting because it is part of a pattern of, you know, s treating space like his garbage dump. But uh, there is a lot of um, a lot of unknowns here. I, I had exactly the same thought when I watched it. I, I think it more I think it eventually becomes clear that that they're launching them into space so he can catch them. But it's not, you know, not uh, it's not clear um, in the way it's not clear. At it's all. not clear at all. And apparently they missed one because then you have a scene where Gene Hackman launches a final missile after he's thrown every missile in the world into the sun. And it was, uh, he launches one more miraculously somehow, but with Nuclear Man's, uh, you know, primordial ooze. I don't even know what to call it. Yeah, I I like um, Gene Hackman gets a chance to do a, an unofficial screen test for Crimson Tide in those. Uh, yeah, those he he, he's that's completely the like beginnings of that captain from Crimson Tide uh, when he's pretending to be a general. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't understand what is really in that little box. Some kind of like gelatinous chicken uh, with yeah. some hair combined with Superman's hair. Yeah. Launched into the sun that gives birth to Nuclear Man, as played by Mark Pillow, right. with a total of three credits on the IMDb. Who looks like he's having a stroke when he roars. I don't even know why he roars. Why does I he don't roar? Know That's my question. I don't know what's so nuclear about Nuclear Man. Roaring it seems to be his most effective way of yes. communicating. Well, and this is where... The, Words are not exactly his this thing. This is where the movie makes a good... A good uh, dubbing choice because he his voice is dubbed right. with Lex Luthor because I guess the idea is he has some of Lex's nuclear uh, genetic material inside him and so he speaks with his voice and this spares us from whatever Mark Pillow sounds like which I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say with that what does he I'm sound gonna say like? with that any foreknowledge is uh, awful because <laughs> I just assumed it must be like hi everybody I'm gonna get you now Superman yeah, and as, and they were like, you know what? We'll just have Hackman do the voice. And he comes out very, very glamorous. Like he's born in this kind of nuclear space. He is born in costume. Yes, he's born. he is born in costume. He's already he got his nails did. Uh, yeah. It's, it, we, we, and I don't understand why the nuclear material is only in his nails and nowhere else on his body. Yeah, there's a lot of there's like a lot of oomph in those nails because uh, in in the first fight he has with Superman he gives him a bit of a scratch. Yeah, and then Superman has the flu for like two weeks. That's right. It's <laughs> it's um it's interesting. I mean, this is where this is where you start to get uh both both the the nuclear weapon disposal and the birth of of um, I was gonna say Pillow Man, but that's the. the <laughs> 
that's a play. Um, the Nuclear Man. That would be, now that's a character I'd like to have That would have been as seen. good a name, I think. Um, this movie had a much longer uh, original cut. Uh, it was like two two much, and a half yeah. hours, and 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 they yeah they cut an they hour. cut about an hour of it, and and this this was. Um, the, we have new producers here, Golan Globus, who are a couple of Israeli film producers who ran Canon Films, who were renowned for cheap schlock. And this was their attempt, along with uh, the Masters of the Universe uh, big screen adaptation, to kind of That's go right, go yeah. legit, go mainstream um, by taking on these big popular franchises. And... Um, they made the decision that that what what this two and a half hour cut was tested, and it tested really well, and I believe it was probably quite a good film. Um, but for some reason, at that point, they were like, "Oh, great, we can take an hour out of it." It's you know, imagine how good it'll be at ninety minutes. Uh, but but then we can then we can have an extra showing a day, <laughs> and then you know that's. With the packed theaters. That philosophy leads to a lot of... Um, th- there's a lot of material on the cutting room floor. And that really matters. There is, in fact... There was, in fact, a, a, a another nuclear man that was cut yeah. out of the movie. There was an original... Uh, an, a, a kind of... Uh, the first time Lex does the it experiment, like a, it doesn't work. And you have yeah, this... Yeah, it was, it was the experiment that didn't yeah. work. So you have this kind of Frankenstein... Uh, Frankenstein's monster. But it was like man. pure comic relief. Like you could see on like uh, the extras when they show scenes, he kind of looks like Pizza the Hut. Yes, that's right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's such a mess. I, I tell you, I would have welcomed it uh, though. And, and you know, I'll, I'll, I, I fully believe that that cut would have been a better movie uh, because there's so, there's so much confusion around what we actually see on screen and how it's pieced together. So, I mean, that's almost a, another movie's worth of footage. That cannot be denied. Um, right, I'm yeah. sure not all of it was good because um, they didn't have the money. How could it be based <laughs> on what we're seeing? I mean, just for the record, we're seeing things. I'd like to, first of all, know who was the part, uh, part of the art department for this movie because for the first time in the Superman series, we see Superman's apartment and it's decked out with things like uh, pennants. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, sport team pennants. Yes. Like, this is a 40-year-old man who's apparently a, a fan of the New York Giants, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yes. Yale, and the Wisconsin Badgers. I mean, yeah. like, he, well, I'd like the backstory on how, you know, Clark Kent became a fan of the Wisconsin Badgers. Having established in the previous movie that he never made the football team, as like that right. is like his thing that he was that he was the nerd of the of Smallville. Yeah, and, and it's it's like yeah, I think you I think you've said it before to me that it's 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 the the non-American production of this movie shows through right, that it's yeah. like yeah you americans you like this football this is what these americans <laughs> yeah, like. yeah it doesn't matter <laughs> so just throw in more pendant you like pendants and you know you like you like football uh, yeah it's uh, it's uh, obviously nonsense. you like that american football don't you it's obviously nonsense and it's filmed in britain once again and uh, perhaps the most egregious use of british locations the the new york where we see the United Nations building, and I use that name loosely, 
um, is set in a, a a town in Britain called Milton Keynes, which substitutes for New York. And the only commonality between them is that they are both built on a grid structure. So obviously, whoever was behind <laughs> source, like scouting locations thought, oh, well, the town planning is the same, so it'll look like New York when we put it on screen. Right. These are the same. That's the other yeah. thing about all the Superman movies that have always kind of made me laugh is, you know, from the source material, this is supposed to be taking place in Metropolis. Yes. And it always is made to clearly be New York. You're constantly seeing the Statue of right. Liberty and the Twin yeah. Towers and, you know, all these New York landmarks. And it's just never, ever talked about, which makes me wonder in this universe, what's New York look like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe it looks more like Milton Keynes. Maybe we're, we're being very go. unfair towards these. Uh, well, these... speaking to your idea of the lack of money in this movie, the things that are most egregious to me in this movie are, uh, first of all, the use of uh, cables holding up the actors right. that you can see. Yeah. When they fight on the moon, you could see them being yes. held up by, by these poor people are being held up by wires. You could see a group of army men that nuclear man tries to levitate just being pulled mm -hmm. up by wires. A uh, nuclear man at one point starts smashing through ceilings in the Daily Planet, and you could just clearly see he's being pulled up through the debris yeah. on a wire. I mean, it looks just so terrible. There are one, there are one or two perfectly good effects, and and because they ran out of money, uh, the rest of it is. I need you to tell me what they are. <laughs> the opening scene with the with the the Russian spaceship that that Superman. Okay. Which which should have been a cold open actually. Uh, that looks fine. Um, there's a scene that uh, when John Cryer was interviewed a few years ago, he talked about um, uh, the car. Yeah, lifting. the car lifting at the very yeah. end of the movie, which was the what they did they did on day one, and he was apparently so excited because they did it for real. They levitated the car into the air. They had Superman like on levitated too, uh, and it looks really good in the movie. But he was like, "Oh my god, this is day one. Can you imagine what like day fifty is going to be like?" Um, right. But but the opposite was true, and they were they were like running out of money, and um, just the reuse of the same flying shot again and again and again. Yeah. I think over in the first two minutes of the film, we've seen the same shot of Superman flying reused twice. So we have an average of a reuse of, of one minute. But what I don't understand, this is this is the, the dilemma I'm in, right? The movie ends with the uh, shot, which is at the end of all the Superman movies, where Superman flies, uh, he's, he's leaving the world, and you see the sun in the background, and he, he turns and looks at the camera and smiles. As he always, As he always does. does. If they can put that in the movie, why can't they just take all the effects from one to three? I mean, right. it's not like, you know, it, you, it's basically you could have just used it as stock footage. I mean, it's just him flying. There's nothing specific. Really? Right. I mean, it's, you know. I mean, there's so many things that just seem... I, I, I can't explain why I'm so unforgiving towards this movie. Um, strange things happen, you know, in the original Superman. He uh, starts flying around the Earth to reverse yeah. time. Is that what would actually happen? I don't, you know, but but the, my point is, is Richard Donner makes you believe yes. it. You know yes. what I mean? I think that's the difference. Um, in this movie, I'm constantly wondering, you know, at some point he moves the moon closer to <laughs> the Earth. And I'm thinking, 
well, that's going to fuck some <laughs> shit up. <laughs> like, that's going to create some problems. My Boy, friend. that movie really moved the moon in that scene, didn't it? I think right. I think that's another you know, ski, he... the skyscraper. Wow, that mo- Nuclear man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it is, it's, it's just goes uh, i mean that's we're back to powers beyond reason and and you know that they're, sure. they're taking it as far as they can possibly go but there is a point in which when uh mariel Mer, uh, hemingway as lacy is taken into space by nuclear man for for what reason right. i still don't really know i think that was on the cutting room floor as well whatever their relationship is but she's in outer yeah. space. She seems to have a problem with gravity because she's falling in outer space. <laughs> and she's breathing fine. She's breathing fine. There are no issues uh, with the cold she, vacuum of space. Unless she turns out to be Supergirl, she should be straight out dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the only way in which I mean, this movie could have pulled it back at that point. Just like suddenly she takes off and she's like, "I'm Supergirl, okay? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, can't be I'm Supergirl trying to get it on." We all know own. that Helen Slater is Supergirl. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did wonder whether <laughs> we should include that, but you know, even, even everything sequel has its limits. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm not watching Peter Cook try and act for an hour and a half. I am sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's it's very problematic. I I, I mean, the, there are some good there are some good points here. As I said, you know, the full complement of cast are back um, from the original Superman one and two, which you know, uh, uh, even though she's written horribly, Margot, uh, Lo, even though Lois Lane is written horribly to the point where it's not even the same character, um, right. Margot Kidder really pulls off the the emotional stuff. You know, her and Clark Kent have some pretty uh, intense scenes together, and they both do a great job. But her especially, um, I am also going to say I I kind of like some of the set, the the social satire of the newspaper business. Um, I have to yeah. admit that that's the maybe the one thing that they get right in that movie is just sort of the idea of. Uh, where newspapers were going. Yeah, yeah, the corporatization of of journalism. They have a lot to say in the movie about that, and I think it's, you know, it's it's pretty well done. I'll give it that It's on the nose. I I like this kind, this this idea of like, uh, and this is probably, again, it's like my own personal, uh, what I like in movies. You know, I love the, I love the, like in the Bond movies when, you know, he has to, uh, he has to work with a feminist, and it's a it's a right. similar kind, of, you know, where he's pushed into this modern world that he doesn't know, and I love that kind of thing. And it's the same, like Clark Kent in the world of yuppies, in the world of like eighties materialism. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. great, you know, this the 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 gym sequence and the guy who tries to the 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 guy the. You have the precursor to the uh, um, Mrs. Doubtfire scene where he has to go to dinner both as Clark and yeah. Superman, which. As soon as he, li- and which he has to, Superman then has to leave abruptly, which leaves no, yeah. e- which, which meant they, they wouldn't know what happened to Clark. There's no <laughs> explanation for what happened to Clark. They would think Clark was dead, is what they would think. Um, so there are, there are some, um, there are a few high points in the movie, but they're few and far between, which is not good for a movie that's barely 90 minutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the short, it's it's the shortest of the, the movies. The idea of having a ninety minute movie is that it's lean and mean. Right. Um, and in this movie, you've got you know Superman looking like he's, uh, or rather Clark Kent looking like he's going to murder 
Lois Lane by just having them both jump off of his apartment building. I was just going to talk about that. So, you know, we, we t- in, in the Superman 2 episode, we talked a little bit about how it was, you know, th- there was a level of political incorrectness around the date rape kiss and the sort of like, yeah. you know, the, the Niagara Falls negging and that kind of stuff. It wasn't very, you know, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't... Dead. No, it wasn't. But... Um, but here, you know, not only, you know, I, it left me wondering uh, how many times is Clark Kent walking Lois off a tall building, flying around with her, and then date rape kissing her? Like, is he does he do this yeah. on a regular basis? They bring back the kiss. I it mean, made me think that, like, thing he, that everybody, he can, you know, so many people hated about the second movie. They brought back a second in time. a way that makes you think that this is what he does every other day. That yeah, he's basically yeah. gaslighting in her. In a really ugly way. That yeah. he's gaslighting her. Because there's a... I mean, I don't know if it's just because Margot Kidd is kind of like struggling for anything. Well, but just... in, in, the, in the scene with the radiation uh, poisoning, where she goes and visits Clark Kent and he's like an old man because of the radiation poisoning. Yeah. Um, she, she starts saying things that make it sound like she implicitly knows that Clark is Superman who's just date rape roofing date rape kissing her all the time like there's almost a suggestion that she's like i Um, i know who you are okay i'm playing along for your benefit um i know you're the monster yeah and you know um again it might just be that she's grasping for any depth of emotion and uh, i've completely misreading it but um yeah their relationship gets even more troubling in this they double down on that thing that you could just about excuse uh, in terms of political correctness and gender equality is completely blown out of the water here. Right. Well, what a great place to leave it. Let's leave it on a downer. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break for a second. That is Superman for the quest for peace. When we come back, we're going to pitch a sequel. Stay tuned. Are you a beer novice? Are you a beer snob? Are you something in between? Wherever you lie on the beer spectrum, you can probably relate to Stephen J. Weiss and Dan Aker of the Vegas Beer Guys. The Vegas Beer Guys are a live show. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. Check them out as they try new beers and learn about beers. Steve, being a bit of a beer novice, learns right at the feet of a beer guru like Dan Aker. They try beers and they'll tell you about beers. They'll tell you where to steer clear from and where you should be going. They're just a great time. You're going to have a great time watching them. Go ahead and check out the Vegas Beer Guys. And we're back. Uh, This is the portion of our show that we call Pitch a Sequel. I'm so excited. Ladies and gentlemen, you can always find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, Send us what you think. Pitch your sequel. Vote on our sequels. Tell us which one you think you would want to make. Tom. Yes. We're going to pitch a sequel. Are you ready? What is your sequel for the Superman series? Well, my sequel is called Five Uperman, uh, in which the <laughs> S of Superman is a five, because it's the fifth film in the franchise, in the tradition of Sesevenen and Numthrias. Um, and... Um, if you say so. <laughs> it begins, as all... Um, the great Superman movies do with a cold open. 
Mm-hmm. We're on Krypton, BS before super, before Superman. It's uh, before <laughs> Superman's birth. A young um, Superman's mother—I can't remember her name. Uh, we'll we'll figure that out later. Oh, me neither. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's whatever Superman's mother's details. Called, details has been kidnapped <laughs> by a young Zod, young General Zod. He's probably like what Private Zod or. Rear <laughs> Lieutenant Zod, let's say Lieutenant Zod has kidnapped her, Zod. and he's he's holding uh, he's holding her hostage and trying to get Jarrell to surrender to him by holding her hostage. Um, we see a uh, we see a figure, a dark mysterious figure arrive. Is it Jarrell? No, it's Superman. <gasps> but how can no. Superman be here? This is before he was born on Krypton, which doesn't exist anymore. Well, it turns out that Superman has thrown so many, so much nuclear garbage into space, <laughs> he's blown a hole in the space-time continuum, which has allowed him to go back to Krypton before his birth. And he's just been standing around lurking, watching his parents uh, um, begin their relationship. And when he sees his mother in danger, something kicks it. Does he watch the conception? Hey, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm continuing on the trend of the, the inappropriate sex in these movies. Uh, all right, all right, carry on. <laughs> um, we don't see that, but it's implied. Um, and he's, you know, he's just hanging around. Something kicks, something, something biological kicks in. And he, he goes to save his mother and he punches Zod in the face and, and rescues his mother before Jarrell can get there. Uh, and then realizing that he's screwed up royally, he leaves Krypton and flies back to Earth. Okay, that's the end of the cold open. It's going to be pretty long. Then we have a title sequence that, um, that uh, summarizes movies one to four <laughs> at great oh length. God. After that, okay, after that, we're back at the Daily Planet, where uh, Lois Lane, Lana Lang, and Lacey Warfield, is it? Warfield, yeah. yeah. Who now all work at the Daily Planet, as per the past three movies, um, are all talking about um, going on a date with Clark, and um, they're all, they're in a love quadrangle with Clark, and in a, a group, in, in, a, in a series of hilarious misunderstandings, um, uh, which are a callback to the director, Richard Lester, they begin to realize that they all thought they were on a date with Clark, but no one was. And in fact, no one's seen Clark in a long time. What's happened? <laughs> he's disappeared from time because he's altered the, um, the, the space-time space continuum. continuum and prevented his parents from uh, having sex and him being born. So he now, he now doesn't exist. He's a non-person on, on Earth. No one knows who he is. He's like James Stewart in It's a Wonderful in the last half hour of It's a Wonderful Life. No one right. knows who he is. Uh, people can see him, but they don't. Rec- he can talk to people, but they don't know who he is. No one knows who Superman is. No one knows who um, uh, Clark Kent is. Uh, so he has to find a way to to fix time and get everything back to to normal again. Uh, he goes into the Daily Planet right. archives and he finds out who's working and researching on time travel. Who does it turn out to be but his old friend Gus Gorman, (laughs) 
who just as <laughs> oh just as he God. invented a supercomputer from a bunch of cigarette papers, has now invented a time machine from I don't know on like on the back of a beer bottle or something. All right, so <laughs> Gus, he and Gus Goldman set about fixing time. Um, uh, at some point, they involve both Lex Luthor and Ross Webster. Um, to help them. <laughs> oh, just everyone's yeah, yeah, coming yeah. back. So they, 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 to, to, to help him fix the time continuum because they're all geniuses and they all get together. And when Superman finally fixes time and he's able to spend uh, five minutes with his father in, in real life and he gets to meet his father and talk to his mother, father. And at that, in that scene... Um, you, it make, because we can pull from any time, these are fantasy sequels... It looks like mm-hmm. for a minute that it's just going to be a double and Mar- Marlon Brando's not going to be there. And then suddenly he comes out of the shadows and it really is Marlon Brando as Jarrell. He came back after all for the fifth film. <laughs> and, um, and then Superman flies uh, around the earth and does the, the, the face thing with a smile. All right. That's the end of the movie. Fantastic. Five Uperman. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Tom has got his... Uh... Let's bring everybody back soup <laughs> for a sequel. Uh, here's 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 my pitch for a sequel. Um, I'm not sure, Tom, whether or not uh, uh, producers are. Uh, I don't know. I are they gonna are they gonna go for the Tom soup? Or are they gonna go for my Brainiac and Red Sun story? Ooh. Uh, I too have a. Uh, the reason I say that is that this is based on a uh, comic. I uh, the idea is based on a comic called Brainiac and the Red Sun story. I was thinking of like, you know, what villain should we deal with next? And I was like, I thought to myself, Brainiac is the way to go. So I wanted to bring Brainiac back in. We have a cold open in mind as well. Mm-hmm. In the cold open, Brainiac successfully shrinks Washington D.C. <gasps> now Superman is able to stop him, but he can't bring the city back. So it's like we've lost DC. Right. For some of you, this is probably not a loss. But we're going to say that the capital of our country being lost is a downer. So Brainiac goes to jail. Um, He's kind of, you know, they're closing off uh, circuits to his brain, cutting off brain activity, kind of like Magneto in uh, uh, the uh, uh, X-Men movies when he's in his little plastic prison. Um, and then we fi- come to find out that uh, he's been working all along with Lex <gasps> Luthor. And Luthor's going to bust him out of jail. So now, meanwhile, Clark is working still at the Daily Planet. And he has to choose between... I have Lana coming back as well. Okay. And he has to choose between Lana and Lois. Not Lacey. Um, Lacey, out of the picture. What? In my... <laughs> You know how sometimes when they start a sequel and they think disregard these other sequels yeah. when they when they bring it up, I'm almost completely disregarding Superman for the quest for wow. peace. Wow! It's not that you couldn't have had it, but I'm just saying the two real love interests for me, for Clark and Superman, thinking of the duality of the man. Yeah, it's Lana or Lois, and so he is sort of stuck in the middle between these two women. And he needs to sort of convince, uh, you know, himself uh, which direction he needs to go. Um, 
So at the same time, uh, Brainiac is out. Superman kind of goes full tilt boogie for freedom and justice. He needs. He's feeling the the necessity to destroy him and Luther. Um, the mm-hmm. idea of losing losing Washington D.C. is not sitting with him well. It's like weighing down on the Superman portion of him. And uh, the women start seeing him losing himself, and now all of a sudden they don't want anything to do with him. Um, I kind of was playing with the idea, like a Spider-Man too. Does he start lose? Like he loses his mojo. Does he start losing powers? But I thought, no, you know, it's a possibility. But I'm, I'm, I'm just, pay- you know, I'm not saying it's part of the story. But I'd like to see a full-strength Superman for once. Right. We we never get full-strength so, Superman in any of these sequels. <laughs> there you go. So for me. It's a crisis of conscience, and he kind of realizes that he's got to uh, not uh, dwell on, uh, you know, Superman douche, doucher man. <laughs> he's got to be the man he's supposed to be um, and realize his true self. He defeats Brainiac. He defeats uh, Lex Luthor. And, uh, of course, as always, he takes Brainiac's lair out of the ocean, pushes it out into outer space, <laughs> and it explodes. Does it blow a um, hole in the ex- space-time continuum? It does not. Because I can change it to Superman it, 6. Well, what happens is it explodes in a way where uh, people end up thinking Superman is dead. Uh. And what this does is set up for, I want to say, the 2006. Do I have that right? Yeah, that sounds right. 2006 Superman Returns. Uh, That's a terrible movie, but I do like the idea of that continuity. Oh, so this is like the... Sequel. This is like the lost Superman story. Right. Right. I like it. I like it. Well, there you go. We got a couple of sequels we've pitched. What are your ideas, everyone? Uh, Go ahead and write to us. Tell us what you like. Tell us which one of our sequels you like. Find us on Instagram, find us on the Facebook, find us on Twitter. This has been the Everything Podcast, the Superman edition. The next time you hear us, we'll be talking about Jaws. Jaws 2, 3, and 4 is coming up next. Tom Stewart is from Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say goodbye, Tom. It's not safe to go back in the water. (laughs) I'm Mike Johnson of the How Dare You Awards. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.